I was on a plane last two Fridays ago on my way to Arizona. I was going to uh, lead worship for a retreat down there, and I was also going to be giving a talk. So, and I hadn't done any work on the talk, and I needed to give the talk later that night. So it was a lot, one of those last-minute cram sessions. Um, so I was sitting on the plane. It's like six in the morning. I got to work. I got like a five-hour flight. Let's go. Let's, let's get to work. Sit down. Fall asleep for an hour. So now I've got four hours to go. Anyway, so I pulled my Bible, and I'm working. I got my headphones in. I'm like locked in, ready to go. See out the corner of my eye, the guy sitting next to me has a Bible app open on his phone. And I was like, oh, no. I have to talk to this guy. And so, like, I like glance over again, his eyes are closed. He's like, Praise God, he must be asleep. So, uh, I keep working, and then I look over again. He's like, reading through his Bible app again. And I was like, Oh no. I just felt the Holy Spirit be like, Come on, just do it. So, I pulled my headphones off, and I was like, So, what are you reading? And he just like looks at me, and we talked for the next four hours. So, anyway, just a couple things. This guy, uh, his name was Joe as well. Um, he's from Columbus, about 55 years old, um, retired salesman, awesome, awesome man. Um, just recently started coming back to his faith. I think he goes to Vineyard Church here in Columbus. And uh, we were talking, I mean, about, I mean, we were talking for four hours. So we talked about a lot of things. But I was telling him about my testimony. He shared his testimony. I was telling him about you guys couldn't believe that something like SPO exists. He's like, and it, it was really cool. And then he asked me, he's like, so why aren't you a missionary? Why don't you go serve in like a third world country? And I was like, let me pull up my outline from last night from Alyssa's talk. It talks about spiritual poverty here in America. And I showed it to him. He's like, can I have that? And I was like, here you go. And we kept on talking. Uh, and it was incredible. Uh, and then by the end of the conversation, he's like, can I have your number? And I was like, yeah, I was actually going to ask you for your number. And I'm going to go over to his house for dinner next week. But it's, it's amazing because I was writing the talk on how to share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit interrupted me. It's like, share the gospel. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Um, but one thing uh, that he shared with me, which was, um, uh, and it was really cool that I got to just kind of testify to this. He said, you know, a lot of my friends tell me I don't need to go to church. I don't, like, you know, like, I could just stay at home and read my Bible, and that's like, that's good enough. He's like, I don't really need church. I don't really need that. And I said, what do you think about that? And I was like, uh, you're 55. How do I like, tell you, like, tell you, like, speak the truth to you? And I was like, honestly, Joe, like, what, like, what about community? Like, what about, like, the need, like, where Jesus says, like, we're two or three and get, are gathered in my name, there also I will be. Like, well, like I don't go to church just because, like, it's, it's an obligation. I go because I want to be part of, of the people of God and encounter Jesus with this people of God. And we started going back and forth uh, a little bit about that. And he's like, you know what? I think you're right. He's like, I always feel so much more edified when I go to church. I always feel so much more built up when I'm with the people and worshiping God together. So tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about community. One of the reasons we worship as a community is because it's, we're built up when we're together as a people. Amen. And it's actually not enough for us to just try to do it on our own. And, you know, like, there are no solo Christians. We, we, we need each other. And Andrew Kibbe is going to come talk to us tonight uh, about the power of a, tra like a transformational community, what community can do uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So some of you know Andrew. Uh, some of you know he's the Mission Center Director for Ohio. Um, Andrew, about 12 years ago, started... S 
12 years ago, 15 years ago? Probably 15. 15 years ago, started SPO here at Ohio State. Uh, he's a man of incredible vision, um, incredible tenacity, has his master's uh, in theology from the Josephinum, so he knows what he's talking about. And I just want to share one story about Andrew. Um, so this year at our staff training, we had a men's day. And uh, it was pretty, pretty wild. We woke up really early, did like this crazy run, and we did like paintball, and it was like, we were like exhausted. Then we go to this park, and we decided we're gonna have like an ultimate frisbee tournament. And so like we've been, we started running at like 5.30 in the morning, played paintball for three hours, and we're gonna play a frisbee tournament. We're like exhausted. So Andrew and I are on the same team with a pretty, rag, we're with a pretty ragtag group of guys. Yeah. We're like with their, actually, yeah, Tim, you're on our team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Tim. <laughs> Um, we, we're going, we're, we're winning, we're winning another game, and I'm not sure how we're doing it, but in the, one of the, I think the quarterfinal game, Andrew, like, his rib, like, pops out. Like, like, right? That's, like, that's what happened. Like, his rib was, like, not in the place where it should be. So, like, Andrew, you really don't have to play anymore. And he's, like, gruesome like, in pain. I've never seen Andrew, like, like, sit out. He, like, sat out a couple plays, and then you just see it on his face, like, I just can't. Can't anymore. And he started playing with Andrew like kids, man. Like, it's just a tournament. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we go on through Andrew's great determination to go and win that frisbee tournament. Now, yeah! yeah! One of the moments where I knew I have a pretty badass boss. So um, but we love Andrew. He's just a great you're a great blessing to us here, and we're so grateful to have you uh, speak with us tonight. All right. Let's welcome you, man. Thank you. It, it hurt a lot, but what hurt worse was I, the next day I had to drive 12 hours back to Ohio. And so I was kind of like hurting in the, in the car the whole day. And first, I had to drive the whole way because my wife, something was going on. I, I forget what was going on. But then what hurt the worst was the next day when I went to the chiropractor and he put it back in place. So that hurt. Um, it's, uh, okay, all the pain, grimacing. It's a joy to, it's a joy to be here with you. It's, it's a joy... To, to worship with you. I, it's a joy to, to share in transformational community with you. And I love what's going on in this semester particularly. I love the, the prophetic anointing that God's placed upon the words that have been spoken and the way that you've responded. I've been getting hearing secondhand that this is really landing. So I know there's we've, we've been kind of four for four on our talks, doing really well, and I, I got the pressure on. So... Uh, this course is about shaping a way of life. Yeah, are you guys getting that? It's about shaping a way of life. And what I want to say is that this isn't a way of life for college. Okay? This is a way of life that we're presenting to you that God's given to SPO that's a blessing for the church. It's a, it's a blessing, and we want this to help shape the way you live your life beyond college. Okay? So that's what this course is about. I'm going to talk about transformational community. So first off, I want to talk about Amazon a little bit. I'm pretty fascinated by Amazon, a brilliant company. You guys, you guys know what Amazon is. Um, fun fact, in eighth grade, I invested $1,000 that I'd earned in mowing grass in a company called National Fruit and Vegetable Technology. And that $1,000 is now worth $0. That company tanked. Uh, but if I would have invested in Amazon, do you know how much money I would have right now? I have $185,000. Oh, Andrew, 14-year-old Andrew missed. Um, 
So anyway, Amazon. So the moral of that story is be careful where you invest your youth. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So imagine being in the room. Imagine being in the room when the execs at Amazon were like, let's eliminate the store. Can you imagine being there? I mean, what an idea. Can you imagine the impossibility of that idea? Let's eliminate the store. Why did they want to eliminate the store? Why did Amazon want to eliminate the store? Because people are too busy, right? They're too busy to go to the store, so we need to bring it to them. So they decided that something was king. What was king for Amazon? Of course, what's that? Convenience. Who said that? Yeah, you got it. Con Anna. Yes, good work. Convenience was king to help them. Of course, the, the kind of almighty king is the dollar, right? So they wanted to be successful. But to get there, they decided convenience is king. And we're going to eliminate all the obstacles that are in the way, including the store. Can you imagine being there? It's so cool. So what's the problem today? What are college students struggling with the most today? What's, what's the problem? What, Amazon said people are too busy. What do you say? What are college students struggling the most with? Loneliness. Loneliness. Apathy. 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 Distractions. Distractions. Pleasure seeking. Pleasure seeking. Anxiety. Anxiety. What's that? Needing success. Can we, can we put this slide up? Can, can you say yours again? Loneliness. I can't believe you nailed it on the first one. I think that the disease of the culture is loneliness. I asked 150 missionaries to, to poll this in June, and this is kind of the word flow of what they said. And the, the words get bigger in this app as you get more and more entries. Loneliness, isolation, we're, we're so clearly prevalent here. And that, I believe, is a problem that we're dealing with right now. I was just meeting, you can take the, you can take the screen down. Uh, I was just meeting with a, I was hanging out with a college student on Monday. And this guy is, is smart, creative, he, he's really successful, like really good socially, like, like kind of off the charts, like really good. I, I'm impressed by him. And he said, Andrew, I'm really struggling. I could tell there was something heavy about him. He's like, I'm struggling because I am having trouble making friends. Because the three guys that I was hanging out with now have girlfriends, and they, they just, a couple of them moved out with their girlfriends, and they just spend all their time there. And he's like, I, and now I'm a junior in college, and I don't know how to make friends. I mean, and I'm just like, are you serious? How can you be lonely? You've got everything going for you. So this isn't just like, some people way out there. I think this is really deep, that people are looking for something deep. They're looking for relationship, meaningful relationships, not surfacey relationships, meaningful, deep relationships, okay? So what's king? If that's the problem, if loneliness is one of these key problems, what's king? I had on my whiteboard in my dining room this morning, blank is king, and my seven-year-old's seven -year learning to read, he's like, what, what is king? And I was like, well, what do you guys think? So my, my seven-year-old said, uh, he said, God. I was like, good. That's what you guys were going to say, right, God? Okay, so Amazon, we've got to get to the dollars. So how do, I said, how do we get to God? What's, what's king in getting for God? And 
He's, he said, worship. I was like, good answer. Um, my five-year-old said, wait. I was like, wait? Like, what do, what do you mean? He's like, like wait, like he's going to come. I was like, all right, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's pretty good. And then um, my, my four-year-old, she was like, please, please. I was like, all right, good, good. So I was like, all right, worship, waiting, praise. Let's, let's talk about waiting. I was like, so what do you mean by waiting? Waiting for what? And it's like, we're going to be with God in heaven. I was like, okay, and who else are we going to be with, God, with in heaven? He's like, the saints. I was like, yeah. And I was like, who else? And he was kind of like, um. And my seven-year-old's like, uh, you're forgetting Mary. <laughs> I thought that, that was pretty good. And then I, I kind of looked at him to like, like, well done, son. And he's like, Dad, do you remember we're going to play Legos later today? I was like, deep, deep. So what is king? What is king for us? What's king? Because I want to say that communion is king. Relationship is king. Um, by the way, I, I hope you like the outlines. I'm trying to like spur on some creativity, so you can write whatever you want. Um, but I think you're going to see what these three images draw, to, draw towards. Communion is king, brothers and sisters. It's what draws us to God to be in communion with Him, and it's what draws us to one another to be in communion with one another. To have those deep relationships is what the world wants. Brothers and sisters, what the world wants most we do best. We have deep relationships. What the world wants most, the world wants to belong and wants relationship. The world wants communion. What the world wants most, we do best. A couple summers ago, uh, one of my friends got married, Mitch Wilson. Some of you know Mitch. Uh, some of you are uh, siblings, of, uh, siblings of Mitch. And, and Taylor, your grandpa came up to him after we, on the night before the, we, the rehearsal dinner, we do like uh, men's and women's like pray over the, the guy and, and dedicate him to this next vocation. And Mitch's you know, 90-year-old grandpa, this little Greek man, I mean, how do you say his name? Papu, Papu is here, and he's just like in awe of you know, these, all these guys that are surrounding Mitch, and he said, Mitch, in all of my years, I've never seen a brotherhood like that. He said, the world is being robbed of this community. The world is being robbed of this community. And I say, we need to say that the world needs to be robbed no longer. Let's bring this community to the world. Let's bring what the world wants most. We need an option for community. We, want an, we need, need an, more of an emphasis on community, on communion. So this makes sense because it's where we came from, and that's where this triangle's from. Is the, the triangle is the Trinity, right? We came from communion. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are living in perfect communion with one another. And out of that communion, that self-giving love comes creation. And then I want to go through salvation history, but I, we don't have a lot of time. We're going to try to do it in a minute. Okay, you guys ready? Okay. I'm going to start with Abraham. Is that okay? Okay, so God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of nations, and you're going to have descendants more than the sands of the, the, uh, the shore. Okay, hurry. And then his great-great-grandfather, Joseph, sold into slavery. He's in Egypt, but then he comes into power, and he helps save Egypt. He's got all this food. And so his brothers and Jacob and all these people, this big family, come to Egypt, and then they grow, and then they become slaves because they're kind of threatening the Egyptians. And then Moses comes, and he says, God wants 
for you to let these slaves go so that we can worship. So then, after the plagues, he lets them go. Chariots, Red Sea, get to the promised land. Joshua takes out Jericho. Okay, now they got the judges and Saul, and then David becomes king, and then he establishes a way of life for the people, and then they get exiled, and they come back, and then Jesus was born into this people, and he had 30 years of silence, and then he draws apostles to be a little communion with himself, and then then he sends the Holy Spirit after he rises, and the Holy, then they make communities in Acts. Okay. <laughs> to be, and, and with the vision of being joined with one another in heaven. That's the vision of these communities. So, okay? Yeah? Got it? So that's salvation history. Do you see how the people of God is so important here? God decided to work through a people. He could have done it another way. Jesus could have showed up. It could have been a crazy idea. God could have done anything. He could have, he could have just revealed it through, to us through nature and creation. But he chose to come into a people. And so then we have Acts of the Apostles, and these people are sharing in what? The breaking of the bread, the teaching of the apostles, the, the um, prayers, and the communal life. So the Eucharist, the liturgy, the Scriptures... And the communal life. Isn't that powerful? And so then St. Paul takes this and he dedicates his life to traveling around the known world there to establish house-sized communities. They couldn't have giant churches yet because they didn't have microphones, they didn't have the technology. So scholars say that the, the churches then were big enough to be in a house, like you know, 70, 80, 100 people together. And so Paul dedicates his life to investing in house-sized communities to help them live this prayers, the Eucharist, the Scripture, and the communal life. Isn't that cool? Okay, so I want you guys to ask yourself, what is king in my life? What rules my life? What governs my life? Okay, part two. Cross there. This is about, I want to talk a little bit more about these Acts 2 communities. What it looked like, because I think that the, where the horizontal and the vertical communion meet in that cross, our communion with God and our communion with one another, that's like the bullseye. That's a bullseye for the, uh, what I would think of as, what I've seen and experienced as a catalyst of Committed relationships. A catalyst of committed relationships. What happens in a catalyst? The transformation that happens when we commit our lives to one another. This is what SPO is all about. I mean, really, this is a big experiment that Gordy, our founder in, in 1986, set out with this question. And the question was, can events alone really transform someone's life? That was the question that burdened Gordy. Can events alone really change someone's life? And his theory is no. That events don't change people's lives. Cultures change people's lives. And so he set out to try to build culture. And this is hard work to build culture. This is everything, every part of our life, 24-7, 365 kind of decisions and dynamics that Gordy set out, I think God's calling me here to, to be a part of what God's doing in the church by building a way of life, building a culture. So I want to describe that to you. 
I, I met this in 2003, so I guess do the math. At 16, yeah, I'm getting old. Um, 2003, I'm invited to a summer household in Minnesota. And this is the first time I've ever heard of SPO. And I went with a couple goals. They were going to do some evangelization training. I was like, that's pretty cool. I wanted to meet some new friends, like people from Minnesota that seem awesome. Uh, I wanted to learn Spanish. I was trying to test out of Spanish 101 based on my Latin in high school, and I did, but that was a problem when I got to Spanish 102 with no Spanish 101. So anyway, and I had another goal of just my body. Like, I wanted to be healthy, I wanted to fit, I wanted to gain a couple pounds, so, you know, I was in this kind of intense regiment, and I, I kind of had my plan and my goals. And I was going about this for a couple weeks, the training's going great, and then we get done with the training for the afternoon, and then I go do my thing with my buddy, and we're, roll, we're running together, and we're lifting, we're pushing, and, and after a couple weeks, one of the leaders was like, hey, Andrew, what do you think about after, after class today, coming and playing sand volleyball with everybody? I was like, play sand volleyball with everybody? There's like, it's like six on six, and there's like people on the side waiting. I'm going to get no exercise. The ball goes everywhere. People aren't very good. I'm not very good. No, I don't want to play sand volleyball. He's like, it's, impo it's important to be a part of this. And, and I realized in that conversation, as simple as that is, that I was missing the point of what God was doing in SPO's summer household. What he was training me for was not just to do his mission, but to be his mission. He was about teaching me and us what being is with one another, what being community is, and what that means for our relationships with one another. I was missing that. He wanted me to be a part of a people. He wanted me to learn that holiness is the perfection of charity defined by the Second Vatican Council. How do you grow in charity? By loving other people, by having a little bit of sandpaper, by making some sacrifices, some deep sacrifices to give to the community. Community isn't about what you get. This community isn't about what you get. It's about what you give. It's about what you offer. That's the lens we need to look through, and that's what I was invited to, and I'm inviting you into, that we, when we make sacrifices for one another, when we have sacrificial love for one another, when we put aside our goals and our schedule and our time and our preferences, and we say, I want to be united with you, and that's more important these things. These things are good things, don't get me wrong. But there's an importance that I want to place in my relationship with you. When we make those kind of sacrifices... That's a catalyst. We start changing. We start learning what holiness is. We start learning what a rich life is. We start preparing for our vocation. So I want to ask you a question that, was, that, that echoed through my mind after that conversation about sand volleyball, which is hilarious, because I now love sand volleyball, and I'd love to play some time with you guys. Um, no matter how many people are on the sideline, I love wasting a little time on, on the sand volleyball court. This question that I asked myself, I've been asking how community fits in my life, but instead I want to ask the question, how does my life fit in community? And that's the powerful place I want to invite you guys into. It's a scary place, it's a dangerous place, and it's an intense place, and I think it's an incredible place that produces beautiful, sacrificial love. I, I like to say that close quarters produce perfect love. 
close quarters with one another, when we really rub shoulders, when we really sacrifice our time, preference, goals, schedule, what we eat, when we really sacrifice that, it produces sacrificial love. I mean, that's what was happening. People were patient with me. They loved me as Christ loved me. They didn't just come down on me right away like, dude, get rid of the lifting routine and come play sand volleyball. They invited me and they were waiting. They were patient with me. They were kind. They expressed perfect love to me and, and brought me in when I was ready. What, what kind of sin are you close enough? Again, when close quarters, this is what I'm trying to say. Let me be really clear. When you get close enough to someone that their sin and their weakness, you feel that and you experience pain because of that, that's when you're getting really close. And that's what produces perfect love because you love them anyway. Because we're family. And what we're inviting, these kind of, we're inviting you into these kind of family relationships. I mean, uh, a few years ago, one, this was actually 10 years ago, so again, I'm dating myself. But this was before one of our, our household guys had celiac disease and a dairy, in, a dairy intolerance. So he like couldn't eat anything with gluten or dairy. And it was like, that was, like today you can just, my wife's gluten-free and she's, we, we can just go down the grocery store and just like pick tons of stuff. You couldn't do that at all. It was like really difficult to like share household life with him and his diet and his, what, what he needed. And this other guy was just like, hey, I'm going to do your diet with you. Like crazy sacrifice because he wanted to be getting into that, that, that close quarters. He wanted to go there. I, I know a missionary who was working with a guy who was really struggling with alcohol, and he, he couldn't stop. He was really battling alcoholism. And the missionary said, I'm going to give up alcohol for the rest of this year to go alongside you in, in solidarity. He wanted to get in those close quarters. Uh, I, I know a friend, uh, the, these two best friends that they told me, I, I noticed them not sitting together at the prayer meeting. I was like, I noticed, and I asked one of them about it. And she was like, yeah, we talked about this. We want to sit with other people when we come to the prayer meeting, even though we're best friends. And we'll connect up tomorrow. They wanted to get in the close quarters with the rest of the community where they could be transformed in perfect love. Brothers and sisters, this kind of love, the place I'm inviting you to go into, this kind of sacrifice, is incredible training for family. It's incredible training for your future, I should say. I mean, you're going to have family no matter what your vocation is. Family is the offering of me for the goals of you. Right? That's what my, I'm a father of four. Um, they say cute things, but they also, I mean, like, oh man. Last night, I mean, it's classic. Like, lay down, I'm in bed for 10 minutes, I'm just falling asleep, and then our, our house alarm's going off because my five-year-old went to the bathroom, but he missed the bathroom and went downstairs and was kind of lost in the first floor. You're like, what, what is going on? You know, my, my four-year-old who said, you know, you get to God with poise. You know, tonight at family prayer, I'm like, Okay, we're going to, you know, I'm teaching them how to praise, and I'm saying, you know, like, okay, we're going to say your words are spirit and life. So, Simon, you say it. David, you say it. Bernadette, you say it. You know I mean? It's just like, <laughs> just say it. Just come on. I mean, the, this, it, sacrificing myself for the, the goal of others, what they, what's best for them, that's what family life is about. And it trains us for our future. My brother-in-law was in SPO. We invited him to be a missionary. This is before like missionaries. There were very many missionaries. We said, will you go to Seton Hall? I think he met Joe out there. Um, 
Then the next year, we're like, can you go to Bowling Green? We were starting something at Bowling Green. We had an SPO at Bowling Green once. It was awesome for a year. And he kind of like went out on an island and was doing that. And then he came back to Columbus, and they ended up dating my sister. So they got married, live happily ever after. Well, two years ago, um, Mary is having the baby in labor. Uh, his name's Lincoln, and they weren't able to, uh, they didn't have uh, insurance, so they couldn't get the ultrasound at 20 weeks, so they didn't know this, that Lincoln was born with severe deformities, and he couldn't live on his own. And so they're shocked. The doctors are shocked. Everyone is just like, you know, my text messages were like, what are we going to do? We're going to the hospital. I mean, it's just like tragic. What is happening? You know, so Lincoln died three days later, and it was a powerful, powerful, and deep, and sorrowful, and, and miserable, and I, I just can't describe how hard this was. So then at Easter, she announces that she's going to have another baby, and then they got the ultrasound at 20 weeks, and, and Francis has the same thing. So he's going to die. So now we're 20 weeks of waiting and moving through this, and I'm emotional. I mean, it's, it was so hard to, to bury two babies like this, you know? And... Stevie, my sister's husband, is a rock through this. He's a rock of joy and hope in supporting my sister and the hardest thing that, you know, some of the hardest stuff that anyone would ever have to go through. And he's sending emails to our community and to our family about hope in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, his joy and his steadiness didn't come from nowhere. It came because it was tested. And what I'm talking about, about this sacrificial love, is about love that is tested in time, tested in adversity, tested in sacrifice. I want to invite you guys into that because I know that's going to set you up for your vocation, whatever it is, to respond to whatever God gives you in life. What happens as well is that we get the joy of living. We get the the joie de vivre. We get the joy of living. When we live in these close quarters, we have a blast. We have real life together. We waste time with one another. That is such a good thing. That's what we do in family. We waste some time together and we have a blast. And, you know, one night I came home from household, one of the guys was saying, you know, this was back with Jim Tressel three coaches ago now, right? Jim, Jim Tressel is having the, the Buckeyes run around and climb stairs with guys on their back. And we're like, huh, that sounds fun. I wonder how many guys on my back I can carry up the stair- stairwell. So we did two, and then we're like, okay, we got to go for three. And so we're having this competition of who can get up the stairs with three guys on their back. And I mean, we made a video of it, and we sent it out, and maybe you've seen it, and it's a blast. It was just a blast. And we just wasted a couple hours making a video and competing. That's awesome. That kind of organic, creative, push the boundaries, be intense, living contagious joy is what community is supposed to be. And I want to invite you, if you're holding back from that, to to move away what's holding you back. Move that away so that you can partake in this joyful, joyful life. In Acts 2.46, again, we're going through Acts 2, they ate meals with exultation and praised God. I mean, household dinner, climbing the stairs, they ate meals with exultation. Let's have some joy. Let, let's pray for the gift of joy to be upon us. And let's be creative and have some fun, okay? 
I, a, a couple years ago, they were, they were out, I, I was in the office, and I was working on some big deadline, and I hear noise out there, and they're, they're uh, doing office chairs, and it's windy, so they've got sails up with sheets, and they're like jousting one another with these sheets and office chairs, and, and I looked out, and I was like, that looks like a lot of fun, but I have a deadline. Don't be me. Go out there. Go out there. Go out there and share in the, the joy of living. Acts 247, part three, okay? So you got the intersection of horizontal. That's, that's a river, part three, and this is going to be fast. Acts 247. Every day, the Lord added to their number. It's almost like, like they weren't even doing anything. They were just like praying and being together, and then every day, God added to their number. There's such a, when you start looking at it, I mean, that's what Paul is doing. Paul is writing his letters to these men and women to teach them how to love one another. How key that is to our mission, which this is part three. The river is about mission here. When, when we have this being, when we have this amazing goodness, it just flows out. Okay? It just overflows. The good is diffusive. It goes everywhere. When we have this in us, it goes everywhere we go. So what we do... In SPO, what you guys do is we meet people, we, in a personal way, in a relational way, we acknowledge who they are, we, and we try to build a friendship with them, and we invite them into our rich life. Come see how I live. Come over for household dinner. Dinner? You guys eat dinner together? Wow, that's really interesting. We did that in my family. Come over for morning prayer. You guys wake up together and, and pray in the morning? Yeah, it's awesome. Come study here. Come see the way that we love. So we bring them in. We immerse them in our life. We invite them in. And you know what happens? Beauty transforms, right? Doesn't beauty transform? When you see something beautiful, it transforms you. And what are we showing them, people that we bring in? We're giving them the greatest gift we could give them. We're showing them the beauty of relationships, what the world wants most, we do best. We've got these deep, deep relationships. Why would we not want to share this? Bring them in. Don't just have your Bible study out there. Bring them in. Don't just have this guy that you've been you know, talking about faith with. Bring them in to the joy, the joy of living, where beauty can transform. And there's a power in this immersion. John Stevenson was telling me, I don't want to put him on the spot, but I will. He studied Spanish for 12 years. How much Spanish do you know? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything. How do you learn the language? Immersion. You got to go. You got to go there. You got to spend some time there. That's how it sticks. And that's what we want our life of faith, our mission. We want it to stick so that we can bear fruit that will last. So we immerse, we invite people to be immersed in this culture. And they need it. Oh, they need it. I mean, a few years ago, working with this guy, and he comes on this retreat and has like the craziest Saul to Paul conversion I've ever seen. Like, wow, atheist to God is real. I want to do everything for him. Amazing. A couple days later, I'm talking to him. He's like, yeah, I just, I just started a dating relationship. Oh, yeah, tell me about her. Well, she's Russian and bisexual and married. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Like, there's a disconnect. And we haven't talked about, you know, like, we, there's not a teaching on that. But they need, when these people are coming in, they need to know how to live. 
And there's a power, a unique and profound impact that we can have when we bring someone into a culture. They can learn all kinds of things about Christ and how we should live with Him, live for Him, just by seeing it. It's caught, not taught. And that's so powerful. That's when we bring the total life, the real life, the 24-7, 365. We bring everything in there. So the community on mission is like a river that's flowing into a desert bringing life. And it's just, it's just flowing. It's unified. It's moving. It's powerful. It's giving life wherever it goes. It's giving life and sustaining life. Right? Because the river keeps coming. It's giving more life. And it's sustaining that life. And it's giving more. And it's sustaining. That's what the river is doing in the desert. That's what we get to be a part of. And I want to... The, the image that I had as, after we did this outline, I was like, I think I want to take this image a little bit further. I think the Lord has a little bit more of an image for us. Okay, so we're all, we're all backpacking. We, we see the cross up there. It's the top of this mountain. That's our goal, okay? We're, we're climbing this mountain. And we've got all, this wa- all the water we need. You need water. If you guys backpacked, you need water. Water's heavy. We've got heavy water. And we climb this mountain towards the Lord together and we're helping one another and we're, we're encouraging one another. And we get to the top and the top is this massive glacier. Okay? Have you guys seen a glacier? Have you walked on one? It's, it's just unreal. Have you ever crossed a stream that's coming from a glacier? It's freezing and it's scary powerful. Like, scary powerful. I'll tell you the story about getting stranded in Alaska and getting rescued by a helicopter later uh, or at another time. But we go to this glacier and what the Lord's inviting us to do is to pour out our water on this glacier. That we would be a part of this glacier. And do you know what that glacier is doing? The glacier is sending that cold, powerful river for thousands of miles, bringing life giving life, sustaining life. And we get to be a part of that. And I think that's an image, that's an image for us. And God, the movements of God are like, like all the different ways God can work through water. The ocean is working powerfully, right? There's oasis in the desert that are powerfully bringing and sustaining life. There's irrigation systems set up and canals that are they're bringing water. God is working in all those. And all, all I'm saying, those are amazing, but... We need to be who we are. And if we are the glacier, we need to be the glacier. And where that gets practical is there's going to be other movements that are going to have bigger numbers. That's okay. There's going to be other movements that are better with the gift of healing. That's okay. There's powerful stories today. There's going to be other groups that are better at worshiping than us. That's okay. What I'm saying that I'm inviting you into is this This charism of transformational community. That what we do best is perfect love. What I want us to be known for is sacrificial love for one another. And that's the thing that people are like, wow, that's what they're bringing to the church. That God's doing something there, and that's a prophetic movement for the church that the world needs. So do you know what that glacier is doing as well? That glacier is sending forth life. What else is a glacier doing? It's moving the earth. And I want to invite us to look and see. I think that there's something prophetic 
that God is doing in our life together that we don't even know what it's going to look like behind us. God's moving some earth by the kind of relationships and love and commitment that we have for one another, and we are invited to say yes. That's what we're invited to do tonight. That's what we're invited to do. That's what this course is about, is to say, yes, I want to be a part of this movement that gives life and it moves the earth. Amen? Amen. 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 That's all I got.